Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Somewhere between science and superstition. Sights to show you. Strange Eons. Welcome to Strange Eons Radio. That's Eric over there. Hello. That's Vanessa over there. Hi. That must make me Kelly. Hey guys, you remember a couple weeks ago I was talking about, well, this will be a multi-episode thing now. Andrew Byers bought the coin. Oh, yes. And then, you know, I didn't know who, the, who he was. And then he contacted me, told me about his podcast. Mm-hmm. So I then talked about the podcast. This is how the value for value works, because then he posted on their podcast page. Mm-hmm. Hey, these guys said some really nice things about our oh. podcast. Check out their new episode and all that stuff. And that's oh. how the value for value works. We, we all just kind of share whatever you get yeah. out of this. Please share. it. Yes. That's awesome. I, I love that. Podcasting is very incestuous. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Who listens to the most podcasts? Podcasters. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course. And I thought I saw something like there is a billion podcasts now or something. Some like crazy that. number. Oh my God. And it, a lot of it was pandemic based. Like uh, Pod, Podbean, the one we're on, went from a few, like 10,000 or something like that listeners on their YouTube channel to a couple hundred thousand in a year. Wow. And they're like, uh, Whoa, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so that means one in seven people have a podcast. <laughs> Sounds about right. It really does. That's astounding. Impressive mass. Math. That's what that is. <laughs> we all have a lot to talk about. And darn, if we can't record it while we're doing it. There you go. Well, I'll tell you what, when, when Eric and I first came up with this and then we, we switched over to Strange Eons Radio, my idea then was, Let's kind of uh, format it almost like a radio show. And that's why we, oh, we've got sure. the different things going on. And we got the hot chick and stuff like that. <laughs> but No one can know. <laughs> the idea was then that we could also make Strange Eons Radio almost a, a network, you know, right. and have other podcasts yeah. under the Strange Eons Radio banner. Yeah, Tony. Oh. Right. <laughs> um, and, and that's still kind of the dream is to get some, you know, Strange Eons oh. Radio presents. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else. I am always so out of the loop on this stuff. I'm like, wait, you guys had a magazine? What? Wait, you guys made a film together? When did that happen? (laughs) I just have no concept of I just walk, I feel like I walk in out of a black closet, open the door, see you, and then close it again. Like I have no clue aside from what you've told me in person, what's going on. And you know what I love about that is there was no doubt then that you were like, oh, hey, I got to get in on whatever these guys got going on. You were just like, sure, I'll come hang out with you weirdos. Yeah, yeah no, I love hanging out with you guys. <laughs> you have like amazing, you're amazing humans. Oh, wow. I love talking to you. Thank you so okay, much. Okay, show like over. Like on a Thanks. podcast. We'll record another show next week. That's the end for today. <laughs> hey, guys, I just finished uh, a brand new series on Netflix called, ironically, Brand new cherry flavor. Hey, I saw the first episode of that. Yeah, me too. First one in. I'll tell you, this is the kind of stuff I'm gravitating towards more lately. It is fucking weird. Yeah. It is gory. uh, uh, Gory enough that there were a couple of times that I had to kind of step away and let the TV run while I 
washed a dish or something. Like that. <laughs> oh I was God. like, I do not want to see any more of whatever is going on here. Oh God. It's got a weird fucking Clive Barker-ish feel, mm -hmm. sex magic and blood magic and all sorts of weird shit going on. And it's tied into Hollywood and it's a obvious metaphor for how you can get into the industry, become obsessed with it uh, to the detriment of everyone you love. Mm. And uh, it's, I just finished it and it's fucking weird. <laughs> so is it, is it like eight episodes? Eight or episodes. Okay. Wow. Um, and they're calling it a limited series. So I don't know that this means that they might no, not do another like a one off. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's cool. Huh. Is it, I, I thought I heard that it's by the dude who did Channel Zero. You know, I don't know really? if that is true. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, I was just connecting the dots and going, oh, okay. Like it's got that kind of weird pushing the limits feel, but now like it's, I don't know, more gory than Channel Zero. I'm under the <laughs> impression that the director of all the episodes is a female. Oh, okay. And it is based on a book. Right. Okay. Hmm. All right. We'll scratch that. <laughs> <laughs> let me just let me just also put this out here. Um, as we are recording, yeah. you may hear some construction sounds oh, yes. uh, because we're expanding the Strange Eons Radio. Yeah, there knocking you go. out some it's, walls. That's right. <laughs> uh, no, actually, the landlord is upstairs and he is pounding on stuff. So <laughs> it very well may come through these microphones. Just Always good to be warned. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Um, yeah, I got to see something. Sorry, give me a second. <laughs> we are professionals. Oh my God. I'm just going to yawn right into the microphone right now. Shut up. <laughs> oh my God. I know I just. Oh, okay. So um, you guys really inspired me by talking about evil all the time. Oh. So I went ahead and finished season one and all of season two oh, so far. Fantastic. Yeah, it actually does really pick up. I think the moment that I stopped watching it, it was kind of in a little bit of a lull plot wise. And then, you know, it just, I don't know. Everyone seems evil in season two. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. I feel like they're all possessed. And I'm like, the girls possessed, the moms possessed, the freaking mom of her mom is possessed. Like what the fuck is happening? Uh, but really, really fun. I think you nailed it on the head there with the fun part. Yes. Uh, Eric, you had pointed out that they really kind of Up. injected a sense of humor, yeah. a, uh, a wicked sense of humor. Yeah. And the intro with the book yes. and that demon kind of character introducing right. what's going to go on helps cartoon it up a little bit. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. New episodes starting what? End August of the month. 29th. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Or 26th. Oh, we'll be at uh, Crypticon. Won't be able to see it. Sorry, guys. <sighs> just something to look forward to when the sadness of the con ending <laughs> hits you. Just pull up some evil and let that. Or when the turnout goes, huh, nobody's here. I want to go up TV. <laughs> right. Do we have Paramount Plus in this room? <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched uh, one that seemed to be going around. For a little while, I kept wanting to see it. It was at SIF called uh, Sensor. Oh, yes. Have you seen this one? I have seen this as well. I saw it like last night. Oh, really? Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> well, you've seen it more recently than I have because I watched it like two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I wanted more, something more from it. But uh, I mean, I thought it uh, built to a very nice conclusion, mm -hmm. but I'm 
I'm not sure I understood everything that happened. I just was like, are, is she stupid? Like the whole time I was like, are you okay? First of all, you watch movies all fucking day and you don't know anything about production at all. Like, I get that she's crazy, but like, well, this is come on. the early eighties probably or mid, mid to mid to late eighties. I think it was when they, some of the references they were making. Oh, uh, So it was not a modern one. So you could watch hundreds of movies and not know a damn thing about, but you wouldn't think they're all anymore. real. Right. You wouldn't like be well, like, yeah. oh, I'm on a set and everything here is real. Like, oh, I thought by that point she'd just gone crazy. I didn't think she was. I think I think the buildup for me didn't quite make enough sense because I I wasn't like believing it. I was like, I knew that she wasn't there, but that level of not there, I was like, uh, I felt, do like the very very ending. I though. felt when yeah. she visited the producer's house and the way she left that moment where she had disconnected from reality. That was right. the point of no return. Yeah. For sure. It almost felt to me, and it'd be very cool if this was in the idea, it felt like the making of what would become a cursed film. Right. Yeah. I thought that this was going to end up being like a snuff film that gets distributed and like, yeah, exactly yeah. is underground, which would have been the perfect cap to it. Yeah. That would have been a good, it didn't really have an ending. No. It, I mean, it's just her kind of, going completely insane, yeah, apparently. Just, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And by the way, when she's at that producer's house, she doesn't grab her coat. I'm like, you're going to jail. You like left right. your shit there. Yeah, because she right. snapped. That's right. That was where right. I thought she snapped. She's yeah. lost reality <laughs> as she says goodbye to him. I was like, he's not hearing you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, not as good as I expected, but not that bad. Sounds like a three tepid thumbs up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mine's a firm hand in the middle. Ooh. I'm not going to give it a thumbs up or a thumb completely down. Wow. But you've I, got a you've got a Cuomo hand on the back, in the center <laughs> of the back. That's, <laughs> that's right. Straight up Cuomo, really <laughs> channeling that dude. Um, I did see something that I paid for, and I'm kind of stupid. Um. Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Oh my God, oh, really? how was okay. it? <laughs> Not very good. However, mm -hmm. head and shoulders above that Mortal Kombat movie. Well, yeah, I'd imagine so. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the reason I decided to shell out money, because I was looking at this going, okay, The Rock's not in this? I don't think I've got any interest <laughs> yeah. in this. But you know who is in it? Uh, and I don't think it's any kind of a spoiler because he's credited i think on imdb as storm shadow oh, yeah. is the lead from warrior that we yes. all yes oh, i really? i thought um they had little snippets of him in the trailer and i was like oh, is that the guy from warrior it is oh my god and he is so charismatic i i'm just like i got fingers crossed that this is the next big hollywood action star because his mm -hmm. next movie is with brad pitt on oh, some kind of some kind of big action heist movie on a train I was like, I hope this guy just fucking explodes now because there's something about him that you can't take your eyes off him. Yeah. He's yeah. He's so great. fucking watchable. Yeah. So you watched all of Warrior 2? <laughs> Warrior as well or just some of it? Or? I've seen most of the first Warrior. Okay. I mean, you've seen enough though to know he is. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I definitely know who he is. Yeah, no, we've gone over that before where there's so many things out now. You watch something and even if it pulls you at least a little bit, Oh, oh, look, there's this other thing on and you forget yeah. that you're watching it. <laughs> Netflix 
brings new stuff out every week. And if you haven't had a chance to binge the other thing, you're now with this new shiny thing going, oh, what's this? Oh, completely. Honestly, like I'm in the middle of maybe six shows right now. I finally (laughs) finished off um, Castle Rock season two. (laughs) Like finally. (laughs) What'd you think of that? Um, You know, it was it was fine. I guess, I guess it got to where it needed to go. Um, but it was a little, it was interesting because they're pulling in uh, pieces from the first season about midway through. There's a little bit of a, a change in the railroad tracks. And I felt like it became, it crossed two very weird stories, three very weird stories in one. And I wasn't totally sure how to feel about it. I, I enjoyed it. I loved the characters. I loved the acting, but the actual story elements were... It was a little strange hmm. to cross the kind of Salem's lotiness with the um, misery oh. with last season. It just felt like... <laughs> but none of the vampire stuff from Salem's Lot, right? Correct. It was just location. Yeah. Just just the kind of idea of uh, some ancient thing, some ancient evil, maybe, maybe evil, maybe not evil thing. <laughs> but did you see it? I saw the first season and I was so disappointed with the way it ended that I oh, yeah. was like, I don't think you guys know what you're doing. What a waste. Yeah. This one, I mean, you know who you're dealing with because we've all seen Misery. So, you know, you're just waiting for her to become the person she's going to be. Sure. And so it, it I feel like they do that in a really good way. That works for me. Okay. But cool. the actual storylines do get very strange far way in. So... <laughs> Was that the uh, was that your thing you were going to talk about today? Because otherwise, I will just say Snake Eyes. Um, you know, probably not worth the twenty dollar rental, but oh. but okay. Yeah, when it shows up for free, give it a shot. Sure. Yeah, actually, uh, I do want to mention one other thing though, uh, which was the newest season of Star Trek Below Deck. Oh yes, I've only watched the first one, but oh, it's wow, so it's like, did they hire the people from? Rick and Morty. It is Rick and Morty. Okay, because it is expanding as a concept. I mean, they've got, there's a part where one of the below deck people is cleaning off some building Mm -hmm. and it turns into this warlord kind of thing and you get gods and all this stuff. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But it's so good because like the references are so nicely placed and it's so loving towards all the seasons because I think that warlord, that war thing was probably from, uh, from original series. And then in the second episode, at one point, just as an Easter egg, they walk through like the skeleton of a giant old science officer. And I was like, huh, is this 50 foot Spock? Cause I think it's 50 foot Spock. Wow. This is a fucking pole. Um, it's just so fun. I, it, there's, it's one of my favorite things to watch right now. Just, it immediately makes me feel amazing. And anyone who's a Star Trek fan, this is, this is the show for you. Yeah. And if you're not, it actually works it a actually lot does. too. It actually does. Yeah. Cause it's just a good sci-fi it's just fun. Parody and fun stuff. So. Yeah, the characters are really fun. You don't need to know all the references, but if you do, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of references and a show full of them, um, you hadn't mentioned it yet, so I'll throw out uh, the new season of Titans. Yeah, we should talk about this. <laughs> I know nothing the, of this. <laughs> uh, Titans is, is a really good show. It's mm-hmm. based on the Teen Titans okay. series. Sort of. <laughs> is this like Titans grew uh, up? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's, it's uh, 
it's very adult style, closer to Watchmen or something like that than it is to the original Teen Titans. I mean, just in tone, not in story in any way. Right. Now, I was not reading, if you are really into Titans and whereas I guess it's almost the first scene. So if you think it's a spoiler, whatever. The killing of Jason, I mean, I knew about all that. Right. But I was not reading at the time. So I knew, I know, I know the Red Hood, but I do not know the story of the Red Hood. So I've heard, if you know that story, there's some problems in the way they're (laughs) presenting it as part of this series. Well, Mm. I mean, so the death of Jason Todd, a death in the family was a pretty long storyline in the comics. And then years later the red hood shows up and it is suddenly revealed that the red hood is Jason Todd, who we thought was killed by the Joker years ago. Mm. That's all taken place in the first episode of this Titans, which is like, I was like, boy, I don't know that we needed to rush through this that quickly. Did we? And, and the whole thing of finding out that the red hood was Jason Todd, that was a year in the making of the story also. But we find that out immediately in this first episode. Weird. Yeah, it's like, uh, it almost feels like who's ever writing Titans is like, well, shit, we brought Jason in the season two. So everybody's expected us. Let's just do this stupid Red Hood thing, get it done with and move on with what the stories we actually want to tell. Yeah. I, I do feel like it's it's kind of, it's kind of being made for people who already know the story so mm-hmm. they can just touch on a couple of moments. But if I step back and just think of watching this as a viewer, I'd be... Like, wow, there is an awful lot going on in this first episode. Yeah. Much less, you know, they're on episode four now and they've they've introduced reintroduced Blackfire. And that is such a massive storyline in the Teen Titans series, you know, and they gave three episodes yeah. last season to the Judas contract. And it's just like, boy, you guys really must not think you've got any legs on this series. Yeah, it, it, they don't have time. Yeah. So they're just Blasting through the greatest yep. hits of the Teen Titans. Oh my yeah. god! And the Hawk storyline was sort of pointless. It. Well, I'll tell you, you know? this: I did not <laughs> expect the way that went on. Yeah, I, I understand that um, death in comic books is not really a thing unless you're Uncle Ben, mm. right? <laughs> but Poor Uncle Ben. But otherwise, um, I don't know. I was like, are they going to somehow bring him back? Because you know, I liked that guy. Oh yeah, he's an actor that I've seen in multiple things and he's always a lot of fun. And the other thing is, so, you know, we're talking spoilers on all of this, of course, as usual. Uh, <laughs> Retroactively. <laughs> you know, Jason Todd ends up killing him. Mm-hmm. And the Red Hood in the comic books is part of the Bat family. And I'm like, how are they going to reconcile this if they're going to try to and make Robin okay with working next to the Red Hood? <laughs> so I don't know write themselves into a corner <laughs> yeah and some writers love doing that I know sure. some writers are just like how am I going to get out of this <laughs> but I don't know and yeah. where where do we catch Titans on HBO Max now yeah. oh, okay. mm-hmm. sure. yeah. when DC went away HBO picked that up gotcha uh, so they've got all the Swamp Thing and- so they've got two seasons of their DC Universe on there and then now this third season is HBO Max and it seems like they've kind of toss some you know they went through a restructuring when they got onto hbo mm. max looks like it's got a little bit more money yeah mm. um but you know we still haven't seen raven in four episodes oh that's true yeah and I'm, I'm curious what's going on there you know the way season two ended with the ridiculous death of wonder girl having a pole <laughs> fall on her 
after she can do all this superhuman stuff, a, a pole snaps and falls on her. And Raven is supposedly all this season trying to somehow bring her back bring to her back life, now. I guess. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Comic books get weird, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the little things. It's sort yeah. of like uh, Watchmen. As cool as it would to be another, see another season by the people who did that first one. Mm. It's fine that they didn't do another I, season. I was just like, God, please don't do another season. There is no way you can match how great this show <laughs> yeah. was. One and done. Get out of there. Yep. All right. Speaking of one and done and getting out of here. <laughs> that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Great. <laughs> how about we take a little break? And when we come back, we're talking about movies with animal names in the title. was my genre pick or subgenre pick and I picked the uh, the idea of movies that have an animal name in the title. So Jaws would not work mm. even though it's about a shark. Mm -hmm. However, Shark Night 3D would absolutely work. Oh. And so shark. for my choice, <laughs> I picked Shark Night 3D. <laughs> <laughs> We are going up to Lake Crosby to Sarah Kowski's house. Are you ready for the lake? Let's go! Room for one more? Yeah, totally. Cool. Good boy. Oh. You guys have fun back not, there. Not quite uh, <laughs> what we had in mind. Let's rock it out. Your house is on an island? Oh, it's going to be a good weekend. That, um, your secret's safe with me, man.
Of course he did. <laughs> is it night with a K or is it night with an no, N? No, that would have been great. The shark night. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of sharks out there. Yeah. Shark movies galore. Uh, this was from 2011. First of all, have you guys seen this or even heard of this? Uh, no. Nope. nope. Absolutely not. I'll tell you what. Uh, young Kelly Young in 2011 went and saw this movie in the theater. How? Who was having that, this the, movie in a theater? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> this, <laughs> this was a, a theater somebody's garage? <laughs> this was a big, huge part of that whole 3D push we got for a couple oh, of years. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, fucking yeah, shark. <laughs> <laughs> Budget of $25 million. Whoa. Box office of $41 million worldwide. That's not bad. Mm. It's not great, but yeah. I right. mean, they it's, didn't lose money. Yeah. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. The critics have this at 18%, but the audience disagrees vehemently and has it at 22%. <laughs> that four-point difference makes, you know. This was directed by stuntman turned stunt coordinator turned director David R. Ellis. Ooh. Nice. He did Final Destination 2, oh. Cellular, Snakes on a Plane, Ooh. and The Final Destination. Oh, my. Wow. And it was written by Will Hayes, who's got a ton of recent TV stuff, including multiple episodes of Assy McGee. Oh my God, what? Is that on Cinemax? <laughs> Best week ever with Paul F. Tompkins and something called Disjointed. It was also written by Jesse Studenberg, and this is his or her only movie. So it stars Sarah Paxton, who has 79 credits, including The Last House on the Left remake, The Innkeepers. And 33 episodes of Darcy's Wildlife. That's one of the actors? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it also stars Dustin Milligan, 61 credits, including Slither, The Messengers, and 43 episodes of Schitt's Creek as Ted Mullins. Oh, nice. Oh, okay, cool. He looks disturbingly like my nephew, who oh, no. is an <laughs> FBI agent and can't be on <laughs> social media and all of that stuff. But I remember in the theater texting him and going, why are you in this movie I'm watching? <laughs> That's awesome. It also stars Chris Carmack, who has 37 credits, mostly TV, including 59 episodes of Grey's Anatomy and 109 episodes of Nashville. And then the other big name in it is Donald Logue. 113 credits, including Blade, Ghost Rider, Zodiac, and 100 episodes of Gotham as Harvey Bullock. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Nice. So an all-star cast. Including your nephew, uh, who's yes. deep undercover. Absolutely. Uh, so this this story is ridiculous. Uh, it opens up with an underwater shot of a girl with a very nice ass bouncing around in the water. Gorgeous. Um, and But something is wrong, Vanessa. She is not alone in the water. Oh, no. Wait. The music swells. What's in the water? And her boyfriend suddenly comes up from under her, terrifying her and supposedly terrifying us. <laughs> but if you've ever seen one movie, you realize, okay, they are trying to fool me and I shan't be fooled. <laughs> uh, they have some playful banter and he gets out of the water to get some food. And guess what happens then? She gets out of the water and also gets food? No, she is suddenly attacked by a real shark. No. Oh, mm -hmm. no. You didn't the see shallows. this one. Unreal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't believe they pulled that. That's, that's some clever work. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, it's not the shallows, Eric. She's waist deep. Okay. <laughs> Most shark attack occurs so it's, it's, within three feet of water. Did you know that? Uh, and that's because that's where all the food is bouncing around. So 
is it really? Are, is this real? <laughs> oh, yeah. God. I can't ever go to Hawaii again. Is that most... <laughs> I'm very curious now. Is that lethal shark attacks or just like you get bit well, by you get any bit kind of by shark? a shark. Um, that's counted as a shark attack, right? Okay, let's check it out. Wow. <laughs> Not saying a lot of great whites in three feet is kind of no. what I was thinking. No, <laughs> and everyone likes to throw that out, including me. Most shark attacks occur within three feet of water. Well, that's where all the people are. So right, I don't know sure. where you expect the sharks to be attacking people. It's, it's really not good in the Marianas Trench. Yeah. And if you're a sea <laughs> creature, point. then there, it, you're kind of getting pinned into a corner. So I can see that being a good like spot for them to hunt. Sure. Can I get back to this, Vanessa? Do you mind? I, I, I don't know. I'm fascinated by sharks, okay? <laughs> I need to know more. Please inform me about sharks so I don't die. <laughs> so meanwhile, a bunch of students or friends from Tulane University in Louisiana are starting out on a mini vacation to Sarah's family vacation home. Sarah is played by Sarah Paxton. I don't know if they kept her name, but they spell it exactly <laughs> the same. So uh, she's got a family vacation home, which is a lovely lake house. And uh, at a local bait shop there by the house uh, or by where they have to get to the house, they run into her old boyfriend who has a very nasty scar across his face and a pretty pissy out attitude. <laughs> and um, his attitude is very pissy because one of the friends is black and his girlfriend is Mexican and they decide to, you know, make something of that. Oh. And it's, it's an uncomfortable scene. Okay then. Uh, like he's not happy that there's a mixed race or he's not happy that they are a race at all? Yeah, I think more the latter. Okay. I mean, there's nothing like um, really letting you know someone is shitty by having them be outwardly racist. Super right racist. Front, right? You're Absolutely. like, okay. Just like real hand. life. Yeah. Yeah, it is true. <laughs> it's a cliche for a reason. <laughs> um, so the friends then make it to a dock. And Sarah has to pilot a boat through kind of like a Everglades type thing, even though this is Louisiana, to get to her lake house. So they're screaming through these um, these water passageways and shit like that. And then a sheriff on a boat hits the lights and starts <laughs> chasing after them. Uh-oh. Right? So Sarah guns it. And all of her friends are like, why, Sarah? No, stop. Please, the police. And uh, they make it to the boathouse uh, with the cop in hot pursuit. And it turns out. He's an old family friend. Oh, oh my God. Funny. This movie fake, fake. assumes you are stupid <laughs> and you have never heard a joke or seen a movie. So you don't understand what twisting somebody's expectations are. Oh my God. This is, this is high. That's so cheap. Yeah. This is high entertainment here. Um, so they get settled in and a few of the friends go water skiing. But as they are skiing, a shark fin appears behind them. It's the boyfriend with a shark fin. <laughs> and starts hunting down the, the skier. This is a ridiculously stupid scene because I don't know, I didn't check how fast a shark can swim, but these guys are doing, I don't know, what do you have to do to at least 20 miles an hour to yeah. get somebody pulled up and standing up behind you, right? So, uh, anybody out there who's listening and does water skiing, how fast do you have to be going? There you go. And then also all of you shark experts out there, you shark experts, I need to know <laughs> how, how fast a shark can swim because Kelly is a movie shark expert. That's right. Shark shark. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and careful, this careful shark position. not only uh, is keeping up with them, it's gaining on them. The skier is looking back behind him and seeing it. And he's yelling at them to go faster, go faster. And the people in the boat don't realize why. So they're going faster and faster. And the shark finally just wham, smacks him, knocks him off the, the skis and they go, Oh man down. They don't realize what's happened yet. Right. <laughs> 
So they uh, slow down, turn around, and they start looking for him. They can't find him anywhere. And that is because he has managed to crawl up onto the shore and he's missing an arm. Oh, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a really stupid scene where everybody is attacking each other because they think, you know, uh, the guy who was piloting the boat, like, ran over him and cut his arm off or something like oh that. Oh, my God. So they're Wait. all screaming at each other. Jesus. Yeah. I like I like the idea, though, of being on the water skis and having the shark get closer and closer. That's sure, kind of fun. Sure. Let me remind you that the writer of this wrote uh, multiple episodes of Assy McGee. So anytime <laughs> you start thinking this is stupid, you're right. All right. All right. I, I retracted. Uh, also, this is a film that where uh, no, they have no cell service. You know how that works. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. They're in a place and they make sure to say, hey, no cell service here. Otherwise, there'd be no movie. We could call for help. Mm. <laughs> so uh, a couple of the kids decide to take the boat to go get a doctor. But the boat is leaking all of this blood. You dig? <laughs> and so a shark <laughs> attacks them and destroys the boat and the kids. Oh, <laughs> Movie over. I hate it when my boat bleeds. <laughs> this was just this was just a couple of the kids, okay? So then the ex-boyfriend and his hillbilly buddies show up to taunt the kids and then find out that there's been a shark attack. And they're like, what? Okay, well. So they agree to drive a couple of the friends off to get a doctor. They can't move the guy who lost his arm, so everybody is staying with him and tourniquet on his arm and all of this shit. On the boat ride, the ex-boyfriend tells, or he's, he's wondering... Um, so he's brought two of the friends and it's him and his hillbilly buddy. And they're like, I wonder how this shark got into this area. I mean, it's a saltwater lake, but still, unless somebody purposely put him here. Well, cause it's right off the Gulf of whatever in Louisiana. <laughs> and um, all you shark spirits out there, let me know if you could stock a lake with a shark. If it's saltwater lake. I think it's possible. Possible. Yes. I think so. Um, yeah. Anyhow. He says, wait a bit. I bet somebody did stock the lake with sharks because it was us. And he throws the other kids in too. <gasps> I was going to say, is this the guy with the scar on the face? Yes, it is. Did he get the scar from a shark? Jesus, what? You just want me to spoil this whole movie? <laughs> I thought you hadn't Sorry. seen this film. How did you get there? What a twist. <laughs> so now the dude with one arm, Uh-oh. he's like, I'm getting my revenge on this fucking shark, right? So he, with his tourniqueted arm... Um, wanders out into the lake. He doesn't realize that the whole lake is stocked with sharks. He it's thinks, not just, it's he just thinks, one. Yeah, he thinks it's going to be his shark. So um, a hammerhead shark attacks him <laughs> and Vanessa, he wrestles this motherfucker onto the shore. <laughs> yes. He grabs it under his good arm and he's like bashing it around and then he, he drags it, it with the other arm. So he's just got to roll around. He's dropping a knee into its guts and all that. Oh so my God. He's, uh, so yeah, so he finally drags the shark up. I don't know. How much does a shark weigh, you guys? Probably 200. S- 700 pounds oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on the size of the shark. Uh, yeah, sorry, you know, baby shark? The water buoyancy helps, I'm sure. Uh, so... What they see, though, hmm, this is not the kind of shark that would attack. Uh, it is a hammerhead shark, and it has a camera attached to its belly. Uh-oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Reality TV tiny, shark. Tiny little GoPro on its belly. <laughs> All right. Sure. So, what? I am sensing a little bit of disbelief here. Sharks be making movies now. <laughs> We're going to make our own. You see how much money the Sharknado thing, man? Let's make our own movies. <laughs> so now they're like, oh, what the? is going on we have got to get out of here so they decide to take the jet ski which is the only remaining thing of theirs 
and uh, they're gonna like we're taking this back to the mainland, right? The uh, the guy with one arm and one of the other guys, uh, but they are attacked by a great white shark and killed. Uh, <laughs> does the jet ski survive? Is the jet ski the, the jet sole ski survivor? Is, no, the shark ate the jet ski as well. Oh, um, whoa! So now it is just Sarah and the guy who looks disturbingly like my fed nephew. Awesome. So finally, the sheriff shows up to find out what all the commotion is about. And you guys are not going to fucking believe this, but he is in on the whole thing. So this this twists us into the third act, which I will not give away. But there is a reason that they have stocked the lake. And it is ridiculous and also kind of fun. So I wholeheartedly approve. They they do mention something about what's the most watched television series right now. And and it's Shark Week. Yeah, that's uh, just true. So they've got a plan. Is it? Is it? It's a reality TV show, though, right? Like an illegal reality yeah, TV like show. Yeah, like a super illegal, like you know, you, rough and tumble, Twitch stream, pay per view, as it were. Shark Shores, <laughs> the Housewives of this lake. Do they like put like a little like? Do they strap a little like camera onto them, or did they like just pound it into them? Oh, and, it's like, strapped onto them. It's oh, very okay. humane. Oh, okay, good. Just much talk. Right. <laughs> like implant <laughs> all of the cameras. So, uh, you guys, this movie is stupid, <laughs> but also very entertaining. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of shark movies. You know, Sharknado seemed to jumpstart a, a huge thing of yes. just really bad, low-budget shark movies. But when this came out, being starred for halfway decent shark movies, I definitely went to see it. And it is a big-budget shark movie. The sharks look pretty fucking great. Yeah. So the actors aren't as good as the sharks. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little bit of trivia on this. Mm. This is the first shark movie released in 3D since Jaws 3D wow. 28 years prior. Oh. Mm-hmm. Equal or? All the better, better than Jaws 3D. Okay. okay well, that's, yeah. The movie's tagline is Terra Runs Deep which is identical to Peter Benchley's The Beast, which came out 15 years earlier. <laughs> Taglines, you know. Lover. Yeah, it's only it's a tough. few words. It's tough to come out with a good yeah. tagline. Yeah. At one point, the sheriff tells Nick that it's a tiger shark that they're looking at, and they'll eat anything, uh, including plates and tin cans. Well, that is exactly what is pulled out of the tiger shark by Brody and Hooper in Jaws when they cut the belly open. and Nice. So I thought that was a nice touch. And then finally, this was director David R. Ellis's final film. On January 7th, 2013, Ellis's body was found in the bathroom of his hotel room in Johannesburg, South Africa. He was preparing to direct a movie at the time. No cause of death has been released. However, it was probably a shark. Oh my God. For revenge, it like swam up the little hole. <laughs> or right. did somebody stock the bathtub with sharks and he just didn't realize? Fuck. It was just like bubbly and he was like, I'm just going to tip on toe in here. Um, Looks cozy. No disrespect to David R. Ellis. He will be missed. Absolutely. I think he would appreciate a good shark death joke True. based off True. of this film. Yes. That was my movie. Wow. Um, I don't know if there's any beating that, but I do feel like my my selection at least tries on some level to be as stupid as yours. Oh, oh really? I cannot wait. I don't think I don't I don't think it's quite as dumb, but it's it's dumb in different ways. Fantastic. Um so I went ahead and went with a film I'd never heard of in my life. 
but apparently had a decent budget. Um, the 1999 movie Bats. The full moon of October is known as the hunter's moon. This October, the hunters will be out in force, filling the hungry sky. And you are the midnight snack. seen this one yeah mm-hmm. so should we just go back and rename this because i'm going to follow right in this crowd it sounds like of so bad they're good <laughs> 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 well that's isn't necessarily good how do you yeah. feel about this yeah. um well let me let me get into it you guys <laughs> I, I got feelings so the, <laughs> the tagline for this movie in case anyone uh, needs to have a clue as to what happens fear takes flight <laughs> we're we're talking genetically mutated bats versus bat expert and local sheriff. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes on this critics have it at seventeen percent. Mm. Audience has it at fourteen percent. Oh no, the critics <laughs> wow. liked it better. <laughs> it's really rough. But box office of five point two five million, so not as much as the shark movie. Um, budget ten point two million. Oh no, ouch. So they doubled their money. I'm sure they didn't spend that all in advertising anyway. Wait, you said box office was 5.2 and the budget was 10.2. Oh. So they, they didn't. I'm, I should have reversed that. They doubled their losses. Sorry. Uh, budget was 5.2. Ah, okay. Thank you. Willie, Willie Wonka, that sucker. Scratch that. Reverse it. <laughs> okay. Um, the director of this is... Basically, he was like a music video guy who also did some trailers for Roger Corman. He has 12 credits under his belt, including Final Judgment, uh, Carnosaur 2, <laughs> Soldier Boys, Hitcher 2, I've Been Waiting, oh, and Joyride 2, Dead Ahead. Wow. So. There's a couple of good movies that he did sequels to. Right. Yeah, I know. He was like Mr. <laughs> sequel. Like if you wanted a terrible second film, you got this guy. Um, and then the writer for this, however, John Morgan, who has 26 credits. Um, this was his third movie right after Tornado, the TV movie. Um, his career basically took off right after this film and he did Any Given Sunday, Gladiator, Star Trek Nemesis, <laughs> Last yeah. Samurai, Aviator, Sweeney Todd, <laughs> Skyfall, Spectre, Alien Covenant, and uh, created the Penny Dreadful series. Oh, nice. Lord. Yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. I'm like, okay, uh, cool. Weirdly, I feel like the writing sucked, but, you know, <laughs> third movie after a TV film, you got to learn somewhere. 
This film is starring Lou Diamond Phillips, who has 149 credits. He mostly plays prominent Native American characters, and he is one-eighth Cherokee. Okay. Which I was really surprised about. I was like, I, I guess maybe that means his but, grandparents are Cherokee? Yeah. Um, you would remember him from Young Guns, La Bamba, um, and he plays... Uh, the demon in Demon Wind, if uh, any Vinegar Syndrome fans really? are. Yes, <laughs> I know. I was like, that's fucking amazing. One of those movies that's far better known for its cover, video rental cover, than it was for its the movie itself. Absolutely. <laughs> it also stars Dina Meyer, who's been in 96 mm-hmm. Things, including nice. Starship Troopers, which is what, you know, is most recognizable, I think. And then Johnny Mnemonic. So throwback there. Uh, Bob Gunton, 141 Things. He's the the villain of the piece. Um, super recognizable face. He's lots and lots and lots of small roles. But the thing I remembered him from was as uh, Warden Norton in Shawshank Redemption. Sure. He also is in the Daredevil uh, TV series as Leland Owlsley, which is spelled a really pronounceable way, let me tell you. Um, and last but not least, Leon no last name, who has been in 83 things. Um, he plays kind of the the science assistant, um, but he was the lead in Cool Runnings. Um, he's in Above the Rim, Cliffhanger. Um, he's in the TV series Oz and uh, actually was in the Like a Prayer music video. So, uh, and on his IMDb, accordingly, it says in 2020, Leon starred in Hallmark's number one movie of the year, Time for us to come home for Christmas. So, Christmas movie, shocking. Great fame. <laughs> great fame. So, the, the story of uh, bats. Oh, yeah, that's the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, two teens are making out under a bridge um, and they accidentally wake up a flock. I don't know what they're called. A, a nest, a swarm. Swarm. I don't know. A swarm of uh, genetically load. modified bats. Um, that eat their guts out. What? Do we know they're genetically modified already? Um, I don't know that we know that yet. Okay. We just know that they're giant and they look very strange. Okay. And I think we get a little bit of bat POV. Okay. There's a little, actually, yeah. there's a lot of bat POV in this movie. Meanwhile, uh, while the, they're laying on their cars with like their guts literally hanging out and their face missing, Dr. <laughs> Sheila Casper and her assistant, Jimmy Sands, aka Leon, are hanging out playing... Um, playing with bats and doing some fun spelunking. So they're just having a jolly good time. It's very with bats. shifting gears uh, <laughs> scene there. Um, and a helicopter uh, arrives overhead. Um, they're trying to trick us, by the way. It's like, oh my God, there's a sound. Is it the bat that we just saw? No, it's a <laughs> helicopter. I was like, what was this? Why am I looking at this? Like, is this supposed to be? Anyway. Did this writer do episodes of Assy McGee? <laughs> you know, I didn't look far enough in to tell you for sure, but I wouldn't be shocked. Dr. Sheila is being called in to help investigate the new deadly giant bat situation in a small uh, Texas town. When she arrives, she meets Dr. Toby Hodge, who um, straight up is like, yeah, I modified the bats. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> he did, I, I Mystery mean, solved. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't say in what ways he's done it. He just, we just know it's his experiment and he's standing there with like a CDC guy who's also like, yeah, we got to, we got to catch all these bats before like it becomes a worldwide bat situation. Um, and then Toby Hodge just kind of stands around for most of the rest of the movie looking a little sinister in a very nice sweater. So... <laughs> Um, don't, don't hear a lot more from him. Also entering the scene, Sheriff Emmett Kimsey, Lou Diamond Phillips, who is, um, basically ready to just hit on her a bunch, uh, <laughs> while her assistant, unfortunately, is ready to, at any second, give a quippy and awful one-liner. Like uh. her assistant, it's really unfortunate. This, this poor guy, every single thing he says is an awful one-liner that makes no sense and he has no personality. So anytime you need a comic relief moment. He is seen. He fails. <laughs> he fails greatly. Um, Sheila discovers that the bats are actually much worse than originally um, thought. Not only are they attacking humans, which she is like offended at the thought of, um, but they're omnivores now. So normally bats don't eat uh, meat, I guess, but now they do. They're aggressive and they're incredibly intelligent. So deadly combo. At one point, she catches the bat in the hopes to release it and find out where the bats are sleeping so they can go and get them. And um, the bat, like, gets a little tracker put on him and flies off. And you're like, oh, go, bat, go. And two bats come from either side of him. Like, each one, like, grabs part of him and then pulls him apart into two. I was like, what just happened? That's a really messed up bat situation. I've got a bat in half. All right. Interesting. Um, so she uh, runs back to the town is like, everybody needs to evacuate. This is, we are not going to be able to solve this quickly. Um, the bats are attacking people and they are headed towards town. Uh, but no one believes her because it's Texas. So then we have this giant scene of like, Bats attacking from the sky. People are hiding in, in restaurants and bats are like flying through, crashing windows. This feels like the end of the movie. Oh, it geez. is not, <laughs> but it is a long, epic scene. And I thought this was going to be like a really bad CGI bat movie. There are so many fucking bat, bat puppets. I was amazed. They made a lot of bats to throw at people and puppeteered them. It's very, very exciting nice. stuff. So, uh, of course, pretty much no one survives except for uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, the uh, bad science guy, and our main Sheila science character and her assistant. CDC guy is dead. Entire town is dead. So, uh, then we have a scene where they decide to wait out the next night in safety uh, as they figure out the bat situation more. And we have another siege in a school. But unfortunately, the bad guy, science guy... Uh, dies in that one because he decides to go out and go, the bats will obey me and runs outside <laughs> and then they don't. And it's like, um, okay. And he's, it's so weird. Like the reveal that he's evil. Cause he's literally just walked around looking sinister the whole time. They're sitting in the school and the bats are coming and they're like, why are the bats here? And he's like, I called them. <laughs> and it's like, Okay, cool. You're, it, there's no reason why he's evil. He's just evil. I was going to ask you, to what end did he genetically modify these bats? We will never know. Wow. He died before he could 
tell us the truth. I believe he it kind of is hinted maybe that he's trying to make sol- super soldier bats. that he can command (laughs) but like i don't they don't really go into it um so then we now know where the bats are roosting they figure it out so but the military is coming in because the bats have murdered an entire town the military is going to come in and mass bomb the spot where the bats are which is bad because bats fly and so they will get out and mate and uh the entire world will be covered in bad bats so um, they have to uh, quickly, now we've just got the sheriff, Sheila, and her assistant, they have to quickly go to the bats uh, roosting area and freeze them with a giant freezing machine, which they borrow from the military, and uh, get out of there before the uh, they're either bombed or the bats wake up, or um, they need to also explode, I guess, the openings to this cave. So the, wow. there's a lot, a lot of things happening all at once. So the, there's a real stressor at the end there. And of course, you know, the sexual tension between Lou Diamond Phillips. And <laughs> of course. It was palpable, absolutely palpable. Um, so they, you know, I, I don't want to spoil it, what happens. But um, <laughs> let's just say there's there's a moment where you're wondering whether or not the bats truly... Truly, we're all killed. Right before you wonder, why did I the watch end. this movie? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> Could they be coming back? Um, actually, it's, no, it's really great. Um, I am going to spoil this. Um, a bat kind of digs its way out of the dirt and the rubble. And he's kind of clinging at the air. And you're like, oh my God, it's going to be a stupid another fucking bat movie and then it gets run over by a truck and i was like (laughs) yes that is how it should end thank you no more do not have to worry about it (laughs) um the things i liked about this movie um it was definitely kind of immersion therapy for me oh after my personal bat incident Mm -hmm. however i was extremely uh frustrated because sheila kept saying bats don't kill people and i was like Bats fucking kill people all the time. It's called rabies. Get it together, lady. You're supposed to be a fucking bat expert and you don't know what rabies is. Um, She's got a bumper sticker that says, bats don't kill people. People kill people. <laughs> now I want that bumper sticker. Um, it's, you know, this the big siege moments are really fucking fun. They're done really, really well. It's just, I don't know why there are three of them and I don't know, there's like no other plot. It's just a bunch of sieges, which is, I mean, it's great. The bat puppets look fucking amazing, but I don't, it's, the movie's not much of a movie. Um, The thing I don't like, of course, the CGI, whenever they do use it, is incredibly bad. Um, The bad guy, like I said, is evil for evil's sake, which sucks. And her assistant is um, an African-American gentleman and they just give him catchphrases the whole time. And it feels like shit. It's like he could be a really cool character. And instead, you guys were like, that's what she said. I ain't going in there. <laughs> it's just all like constantly. And it's always delivered the same. You're like, Leon, come on. You were with Madonna. Like, get it together. <laughs> kind of my my verdict on this is if if you're looking for something dumb and have already seen the birds, arachnophobia, deep blue sea then yeah, go for it. Um, it feels like a fun cult film on a little higher budget than you'd normally see. Um, the, it has great puppets, great sets, um, but uh, and it's probably better than Night of the Lepus and Kingdom of Spiders, and it's free on Amazon. So why not? Um, 
I have a tiny bit of trivia. There's not a lot to talk about with this movie. Yeah. It was shot in 36 days. So a very, very quick shooting mm -hmm. schedule. Uh, the theatrical teaser trailers included no footage from the actual film. <laughs> um, the bats in the film were a combination of animatronics, CGI, um, and they had two live bats. The two original bats in the film were brought over from Indonesia. There were 15 puppeteers participating in the film that handled each of the 30 bat puppets. And some of the actors in the film, such as Dina Meyer, ironically suffer from cryptophobia or fear of bats. They were repulsed by the puppets and the animatronics, which is like the perfect role when you're like, I'm going to audition for a movie called Bats. Sure. You know, really clever stuff there. So that's my pick. Um, I remember, I think it was on our, one of our Nature Hates You episodes mm, yeah. that I think I told you guys I'm doing Bats and I made it through about five minutes and I said, <laughs> I'm not doing Bats. Bats is a pretty tough watch i mean like once you get to the fun parts it's fun you're like yeah fucking get them get in the movie theater yeah get in the diner eat those there is a moment by the way i almost forgot there's a baby like there's like a woman who's like drying sheets and there's a little kid playing somewhere and there's a baby in a crib and we see like the woman get attacked and the kid you know the thing crawls near it and then in the crib there is a bat climbing towards the baby never see what happens Oh, just got to assume the baby got yeah. eaten by a bat. Yeah, let's assume the best. I mean, we're. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else would have, like, these are hyper aggressive, like, angry, hungry bats. I'm like, I guess, I mean, it's an easy snack, mm -hmm. but, like, they didn't, they didn't resolve it. I'm like, you guys. Oh, well. Babies. Blue bat balls. It's an easy snack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got this on a DVD or Blu-ray with some other movie that I wanted, which I can't recall sure. at the moment. Yeah. So I tried to watch him going, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you failed. Poor Lou Diamond Which, which is amazing. Can I, I think part of my problem is that it's so bad they're good. If they've got certain budgets and stuff, I start to expect a little bit more. And the, I get frustrated with those quicker. Yeah. <laughs> so. I was, I didn't expect anything. And I think that helped a lot. Yeah. I had never heard of this film before. And I was like, bats, that's going to be some terrible 1960s, you know? Nope. True. I was like, uh, okay. Yeah, why not? So I was like, hey, they have a budget. That's, that's fun. <laughs> well, you both sound like you had, Kelly had most of a movie. You had a little less of a movie. Yes. I don't think I had a movie, but boy, was it a fascinating watch. Ooh, <laughs> I'm so curious. 1990s, The Black Cat. Fear, the most powerful instinct in the world. Fear and a mother's need to protect her child from the ultimate face of evil. The Black Cat. Two women, one driven by love, the other driven by desire, racing into hell. stop at nothing to get what she wants. A child trapped in a web of hideous danger as those around him are pulled down to the depths of passion, to the brink of madness. 
bowels of hell to lie face to face with the daughters of darkness. From Edgar Allan Poe's classic tale of evil, 21st Century Film Corporation presents The Black Cat. was just put out by Severin like two or three months ago, I think. Is that based off like the Edgar Allan Poe? Well, that's what they say. Oh, okay. Sure. Gotcha. <laughs> is, I'll let you tell me. They'll probably end up on Prime at some point as well, because they seem to do that. This is not the, the Two Evil Eyes segment? No. Oh, okay. no. No, this is a full film. Oh, okay. This is uh, no, not enough ratings on IMD or on Rotten Tomatoes for a critic's review. Uh, 23 from the, the audience. crowd, audience there. No idea what the budget is. No idea what it did. It, the box office is supposedly fairly good in Italy, but I didn't really see any actual numbers. Hmm. This was directed by Luigi Cosi. Told you never to call me here. Oh, my. <laughs> Does your telephone? Hold on oh, just a moment. That's Kilroy. Oh, Kilroy. He was here. I'll never get near that thing. It's fucking Roombas. They are going to kill us. That's how we're going to die as humans. Suck on your feet. They are. They're going, to have little, they're going to suck up your knives when you don't look. And then they're kind of going to come at you and you think, oh, it's just cleaning. And then your feet are gone. And then you're laying on the floor and then it's going to get your face. And then you're dead. Please continue. Anyways, <laughs> director by Luigi Cozy, who has come up on this show again because he was the uncredited co-director of Vampire in Venice. He was also uncredited as a co-director of Sinbad in the Seven Seas. Okay. He did direct uh, Paganini Horror, which is also a seven release and also highly entertaining and terrible. The 1977 Godzilla. The 1983 Hercules. <laughs> you get an idea what this guy makes. <laughs> the writers. Edgar Allan Poe is credited as a writer. Oh my God, yes. Yes. Uh, Luigi Cozy is also a writer. He also wrote Devilfish, Hercules, <laughs> <laughs> Contamination, Star Crash, Godzilla. Oh, Star no, Crash. not Star Crash. Oh, yeah, that's right. Thomas D. Quincy came on as the novelist. Apparently, this is based on a book. I don't know. <laughs> so, anyways, stars Florence Duran. Duran. Uh, she's known from Top Model, not the show. Uh, Love Sins, Bizarre. Lots of Italian TV. Uh, Urbano Barberini, the gore movies. He plays the lead hero in Demons. He's the guy who climbs up on the helicopter oh, near the yeah. end. Casino Royale, the 60s one, and uh, Argento's Opera. Oh, so he's shit. Pretty solid Italian actor. Hmm. And someone you might recognize, Kelly. Yeah. Carolyn Monroe. Oh, yes. Yes. From 
Golden Voyage of Sinbad mm. and the amazing bikini she wears in that movie or whatever you want to call it. She was also <laughs> in uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, mm-hmm. Maniac, which I did not realize she was in that, the 80s, late 70s, oh. early 80s serial killer film. Gruesome, gruesome mm-hmm. movie. The Haunting of Margam Castle, mm-hmm. Captain Kronos. There you go. <laughs> so I'm a few frames, maybe seconds into this movie and I'm writing... Uh, what? <laughs> this movie starts off in space. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. It's starting strong. And there's a baby, a baby in the womb floating around in space. Babyception. Opening credits. <laughs> what? And goes to opening credits. But I'll tell you, here's where the movie got me back. The opening credit band, Bang Tango. Oh no. <laughs> With someone like you. <laughs> Like, oh, fuck, I know this one. A uh, lady wanders around town calling for George, whoever the hell George is. So my next line was, this movie is going to suck. <laughs> so I'm hoping it's going to be the right kind of suck. And let me tell you, it is. <laughs> uh, the, movie in, the movie involves the story of a genius director. Uh-huh. Maybe you should have taken the movie himself. Hey! <laughs> oh, uh, anyways, so... Um, Although I did get a little bit of opinion, better opinion of the director when he goes into his office and it's filled with dinosaur and sci-fi toys. Like, All right, here we go. The soundtrack is very Demons-esque with a lot of metal and was actually released in, I can't remember, if it was, maybe in my notes, but it's either in Italy or U.S. as Demons 6. 6? Wow. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Wait, so does it have cats or demons? I don't know if either ones are present. It's more like a witch, actually. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. They mention, at some point, they mention Suspiria because they're talking about the new script they're going to watch. And they, oh, so Suspiria. And then you get the goblin drop music goes in. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> nice. So that, and whenever they mention this particular script, you get that goblin Suspiria music drop. <laughs> well, I guess you paid for it. You're going to use it. <laughs> Uh, they they then start to tell the writer and the director are sitting with their wives, well, both are actors, and they're telling them the story of what's going to be happening in this wonderfully over melodramatic writing, with lines like "tortured your heart beyond the brink of madness." <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good tagline. Uh-huh. That would have been yes, that would have helped. <laughs> I think somebody starts to hallucinate. The wife starts to hallucinate because she was going to play the witch in this movie. And so she starts puking up strange green colors all over the place. Is it a dream? I I don't know, but her husband's an asshole when she tries to tell him about it, which is a frequent occurrence in Italian movies. The the male hero is often a total prick to them. Absolutely. Now we're back to space for just a moment. And now we see that the, is the mirror been broken? Maybe not. Who knows what's happening? (laughs) Not me. She's looking for the witch and encounters this kid in a TV holding a glowing orb. Sure. What the hell? <laughs> what? And, and now for some reason, the fridge starts to smart, spark and smoke. The, <laughs> the bit, the director, director guy comes down. Huh. That's not so good. Opens up the refrigerator, pulls out a beer, closes it and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. Uh, oh, and they justify the name of the movie because in one scene... 
one guy quotes a line from Edgar Allan Poe's The Cat. Oh, like no. That. <laughs> that makes it worse. Yes. <laughs> Let me take a moment to read you some poetry by somebody who's inspired me. <laughs> some random kid shows up and starts talking to her. He looks oddly like Dario Gento's kid if he had a boy. <laughs> huh. Very weird. Um, the lady's hallucinating. See, uh, you wonder why I'm not telling you any kind of story. Because you haven't seen the film. So, <laughs> this is how the film moves. <laughs> they decide they're going to meet with an expert on the occult to figure out if they're following the occult things right. And they get some more goblin music, which is always nice. Yeah. The lady says, you shouldn't do this. Change the name of the witch. You're going to pull the witch back if you don't change her name. And she will destroy us all or whatever. And then, for some reason, they cut to a toy train set with weird lighting that the kid with the orb turns on and off or something. It's on the TV. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Although I did think it was kind of interesting. The TV for a TV stand looked like it was the, and it was the top of a space orbit pinball machine. Oh, that's <laughs> a weird way to use a pinball machine. Yes. It's going to make it really hard to play pinball. <laughs> I can't see where the ball went. Wait, it's back down. Space shot. <laughs> no baby this time. Uh, the movie actually looks really cool at times. It's incredibly, um, it's very obviously inspired by Argento. Like when somebody goes into this old house that's filled with webs, these are the ultimate movie webs. I mean, these are like seven or eight giant spiders working for 18 years, maybe. <laughs> and they're all lit with this bright blood red light it looks really cool and a lot of times this movie actually looks really good it looks a lot better than it deserves to story-wise but wait it's the producer supposed to make the movie is he dead now because his house was fine earlier on in the movie but now it's all covered in web space fetus <laughs> <laughs> wait the space fetus left the webs oh it came back and appeared oh bang tango's returned for a second thing so you know it's rocking in again oh my god uh, I like that I actually wrote this. This ending is hard to describe. <laughs> <laughs> it's another one of those. I think I've done this on a couple movies in the past, but it has lasers and explosions, throat slicing, crazy lights, crazy sounds, maggots, boils, the sort of Argento looking kid and the lady telling him when the game is over, mutants, spells, Hellraiser, end sequence style effects, and of course, space shots. Hellraiser end sequence effects. Yes. Oh, no. Those bad light effects. Yes. Uh, remember the end of Hellraiser where the homeless guy picks up? The, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Clive Barker had yeah. to make those himself. Yep. And they, I think pretty sure somebody did the same thing. Hey, what did he do there? Oh, let's do that. Uh, <laughs> it looked amazing. <laughs> and then some weird, crazy wrap up that sort of explains everything that happened after the final battle, but nothing else. <laughs> so. There is a decent amount of trivia to this film. <laughs> oh my God. Is the trivia include the plot? There is what none. Is this, so is the space babies controlling what's going on on Earth? No idea. Okay. I don't know what the space fetus is. Okay. It's just, it's wow. just we keep calling back to it at yep. key moments. Yep. I'm sure there's somebody Some might know connection. something. But, uh, Maybe it's a cursed... I'm going to have to make something <laughs> up. My brain is like not handling this movie. <laughs> the movie actually started off as a Suspiria. You know, there's the Argento's Three Witch Trilogy. Mm -hmm. But the third one was like 97 or something. So it was yeah. years off before it was going to be made. And it was originally pitched as being that third three of the Three Mothers Trilogy. Even though 
he wasn't involved with it. Right. Interesting. <laughs> so one of the actors found that out. One of the lead actors who'd worked a lot with, um, oh no, Mother's Tears was 2007, but worked a lot with Argento, got so angry with this interpretation of the movie, she quit the film. They had to <laughs> replace wow. her role. And uh, then they, they, they brought on Luigi, the director, who also disagreed with the idea of ripping off Argento. So they sort of altered the script and retitled, and, uh, but left the touches of talking about Suspiria like in the uh, script and things, but said, this isn't a Three Mothers movie. Okay. Hmm. And, uh, and it has absolutely nothing to do with but Edgar Allen's The Black Cat. <laughs> but it is a Demon Six movie. So. Well, it was just put out. The, the, uh, <laughs> that was my next note, actually. Nailed right into it. This release from Severin was the first home video release of this film. Mm. And uh, it had been released in certain territories around the world as Demon Six, just as a, you know, to sell it. It was also advertised as an unofficial sequel to Suspiria and Inferno, but uh, he, the Luigi, the director, uh, runs the Profound, Profondo Russo store, which is a Dario Argento store in Rome. Oh, wow. So he knows Argento very well. That's a store and like a little museum. I saw a documentary on some Severin disc where they go down and he gives you a tour of all the stuff they have there from Argento films. That's cool. And I'm like, I've been to Rome. Why the fuck didn't I know that this place existed? <laughs> <laughs> like, damn it. He also nods back to Suspiria and Argento's work with the way he lit it. It was an intentional look that they wanted to homage <laughs> to Argento with. Um, it was bankrolled by 20th Century Film Corporation as a post-canon films movie. How did that pitch meeting work? Uh, well, uh, Golan, how do we say his name, was involved okay. in getting it made, mm. which is weird because it's very it's not very sexual at all and there's very little violence really there's some gross stuff but there's not a lot hmm. the um bang tango and white lion hmm. each have three songs in the film and the presentation of the white lion songs are done so bizarrely that like did white lion have a female singer for a while cuz it sounds like a woman is singing at least two of the three songs oh, wow and i kind of went but i went back and i looked up those songs online and listened to them. i was like no, no, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Tramp. Yes, that's right. That's Reach for the stars. Right here, Vanessa. I didn't have to think about <laughs> yeah, that at all. That I, my music knowledge is so bad. And Quick, yours, ask me who the governor of Seattle is. Governor of Seattle? <laughs> who's who's <laughs> the mayor of Seattle? No idea. Yes. Why would I know that? It's a lady. That's I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it makes sense why I wouldn't know it. Absolutely. That's what Anyways. I was saying, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> but Bang Tango sounds great in the movie. Oh man, some of the music is done so poorly where it's like uh, they're going from point A to point B and for some reason instead of just a nice suspense movie it's like Bang Tango. <laughs> so she's going down the stairs like it's like is she going into an action movie what the <laughs> So but I I tell you it, it is worth watching. <laughs> really after all that. <laughs> it's absolutely so bad it is highly entertaining. Huh. Do you need to be stoned or drunk to I watch I was this? not, so. Oh, you, <laughs> all right. I huh. might have liked it a lot more, <laughs> but it's still. You it's, give it the college it, try. It's so crazy that you're like, okay, 
I'm, I mean, I'm in. <laughs> I, I'm pretty intrigued, especially since you're saying it doesn't, it's not like overly violent. Um, really? Like, it just sounds like a fascinating, weird ass watch. <laughs> huh. Yes. <laughs> like performance art, but Italian. Yes. There you go. Huh. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm putting that on my no need to watch list. So. <laughs> That means, Eric, that you've got the next pick for the next episode. I do. Well, we've done a few of these in the past. We're going to just blow it up because we've been kind of suspicious for, or suspicious, specific (laughs) for a few episodes. And anything that Arrow Video has released, and that can be streaming or on disc, so wide open. Wow, that's a prolific amount. Thousands of titles. <laughs> I love this because if I haven't mentioned it already, I finally joined the Arrow streaming channel. There you Yay! go. And really love it. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait. Okay, well, that means this is the end of the episode. This is where we say thanks to everybody yeah. who's uh, doing the value for value model with us. and We really appreciate that. The liking and sharing of posts. Speaking and, of, oh, we do have a Etsy store. We have an Etsy store. Yay! It's got shirts. It's got underwear. It's got the awesome underwear. <laughs> it's got men's and women's underwear. Right. And it's little things options. like, I think some stickers or some little things like that as well. Because they are good quality. We've received yeah. samples of most of the things we're selling and they're they're good. I love my underwear. Yeah. The women's shirt was extremely soft. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the men's shirt as well. I can mm-hmm. vouch for that. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so, okay. Well, I think that's about it for today, then. We will reconvene in one week, and we're talking about movies that uh, have been put out by Arrow Distribution. Yep. Or distributed by Arrow. Arrow video, video slash film. Slash. Film. <laughs> slash, <laughs> slash streaming. Streaming. Okay, see ya. See ya. Our show is recorded somewhere high above Naval Station Everett at the nexus of all realities and is engineered and produced by Eric Margaret. Our theme music is Strange Eons Part 1 by the band Nightshade and is used with permission. Find Strange Eons Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and wherever fine podcasts are found. The status on the other day, one uh, eating one hot dog takes 35 minutes off your life like that's amazingly specific. <laughs> yeah, how do you measure that? Like, you've got that test subject who's only yeah. had hot dogs their whole lives. Well, one. Oh, and then mm. how did how did we know what <laughs> his potential was? Two. And then you have a third person who has had three, so you can measure it. And what go. if you got hit by a bus when you were thirty-five <laughs> and you'd been eating a hot dog a day? Yeah, I, <laughs> it all comes out to mean nothing. The That's idea right. that we understand the body this to is, that level is fucking. This hilarious. is gold. We should have saved this for the show. That's recording. <laughs> <laughs> Put this as the end stinger.